Let's talk about the gigantic plot holes in Soul and why that makes it really hard to stay connected to the movie. Hey family members, I'm McGann and welcome back to the Fangirl where sometimes a movie just sits with me the wrong way. I was actually surprised the last time I talked about Soul that so many people in the comments said they clicked with the movie because it was not my cup of tea at all. And that's fine, different strokes for different folks and all, I'm always happy to offer a counterpoint rather than just regurgitate what people have heard over and over and over again. But aside from the darker tone of Soul, this movie has some of the biggest plot holes of any Pixar movie. And I'm honestly surprised that there aren't more people disappointed with the quality of the script. Who knows, maybe other people just didn't notice the issues as glaringly as I did, but it just kept dragging me back out of the movie. So let me draw your attention to quite a few of those problems right now. The issues start when Joe dies. He lands on a conveyor belt that absorbs people into the great beyond, and even though we have no idea what that means for these souls, that really doesn't matter. It's all left up to our own interpretation and that's fine. However, Joe is the only person who's upset to be on the conveyor belt and he manages to escape his fate by basically punching his way through this invisible force field. So one, how can this be done unless the Jerry's allowed him to escape? Two, obviously the force field is there because people like Joe kept flipping out and trying to jump off the side. So where are these other people? Where did they go? Why are we not seeing them anywhere? How is Joe the only one who is panicking about going into the great beyond? And three, we are given absolutely no explanation as to why the force field failed and let Joe fall down into the great before. But if that is something that can be so easily done and only takes a few seconds of pounding on the force field to do, then shouldn't the Jerry's have seen this happen hundreds of thousands of billions of times? So why are the Jerry's and the Terry not aware of people like Joe already. People die suddenly, unexpectedly, and unwillingly all the time. Joe is not that special. Then, when Joe gets into the great before, the Jerry's tell him that his body's in a holding pattern. Does this mean I'm dead? Not yet. Your body's in a holding pattern. It's complicated. And that doesn't really make sense because they're saying it as if they know who Joe is directly. And to me, saying something like a holding pattern suggests that the body is in a coma stuck between life and death, which is basically what Joe's body was doing. However, if that's the case, then why was his soul dropped right in front of the great beyond on the conveyor belt? Most people would associate going into the light as a permanent thing that can't be reversed and so I assume that it's also a permanent mark of death and soul as well. But people wake up from comas after decades of being out of it, so why wouldn't Joe's soul go into a holding cell or something? The mind and body should have to decide whether to live or die before the soul moves on to the great beyond. And for that matter, why was Terry just so upset about the count if Joe's body is still alive? If the body's still living, there's a chance that the soul could 
return to it, right? I mean, obviously the answer is yes, because that's a major plot point to this movie. So I don't understand why the context for everything is so poorly written. And if a person is in a coma and their soul can't return to their body, then isn't there a really big chance that one of the souls yet to be born would land in Joe's comatose body? Apparently so, because that's what 22 ends up doing. But the whole, your body's in a holding pattern line makes absolutely no sense if standard procedure is to immediately toss a soul into the light. Furthermore, how do the Jerry's even select mentors if everybody just dies and gets dumped on this conveyor belt? How is there no screening process so that they don't lose good mentors or souls whose bodies aren't dead yet? And what would happen if you get in the zone doing piano or whatever you're passionate about and then your soul ends up on the conveyor belt by accident? What, people are just going to find you slouched over dead at your keyboard because you really loved what you were doing in that moment and it ended up causing your death? I mean, that that's so poorly written. And the Jerry's abilities and knowledge is also frustratingly unclear. They seem to know exactly what's happening with Joe's body, and I feel like that wasn't a guess because they were 100% accurate. Yet, when Joe picks up a name tag, none of the Jerry's question why he's using somebody else's name. They even set up his personal life museum to be the guy whose identity he stole, which does raise another interesting issue because what happened to the child psychologist that Joe got the name tag for? At first, I thought the issue might be that time is just wibbly-wobbly in the great before, but if 22 has been there for thousands of years and Joe can jump straight into his body in a normal Earth timeline, then the great before is using a linear timeline and there is a mentor missing somewhere. And look at Terry again. His counting system seems to be people who died versus souls who entered the great beyond. But then we have mentors running around and hopefully some souls in a coma that are kept in a special location too. So wouldn't that mean the count is always off? It was also strange that the count being off had absolutely no consequences in the story. It was all just Terry being neurotic for the sake of creating tension in the movie. Pixar's over there like, haha, we know this is a very mature movie and we could handle a villain and tension in a billion different ways, but let's do it in the laziest way possible so that Terry is potentially missing a lot of other people in the count while he's tracking down Joe. Makes no sense makes no sense. Then we have the evil plot where Joe wants to take 22's Earth Pass and that gives the story a focal point to revolve around, but that is such a flimsy, poorly written plot device. I mean, come on, if a soul is unable to hand over their disc because it's coded specifically to them, then how are they going to hand over their Earth Pass? It's the same disc, except now it's even more personal because you have your spark in it. No sense. No sense. No sense. Logic? Anywhere? I know it's a fantasy movie, but come on, there still have to be rules and boundaries and sensible stakes. And don't you people dare say that it's a kid's movie, you're overthinking it, because the other half of you are going, not all animated things are for children, so y'all need to pick a lane. And when Joe and 22 accidentally fall down to Earth, it also makes no sense that the bodies don't have any safety guards. I mean, let's not even play with the fact that 
you need an Earth Pass to go to Earth, and yet both 22 and Joe go to Earth and inhabit bodies without either one of them having an Earth Pass. But if it is so easy to steal a body, then what happened to other souls who fell before? Surely Joe and 22 are not the only ones who have accidentally fallen off the edge before. And for that matter, since 22 did it, what keeps any other soul from accidentally landing in a body that's already occupied and kicking the previous soul out. So you're gonna try and tell me that these little discs cannot be traded or shared, but physical bodies can? Let's also not forget about when Joe puts himself in the zone to try and talk to 22. Even though Joe already has a body and nobody else who is just visiting through the zone has an earth pass, Joe still has an earth pass and somehow manages to give it away. Even though Joe had already used said earth pass and had not died again. I mean, how is the earth pass required to re-enter your own body? And why doesn't Moonwind or any of the other visiting souls have an earth pass strapped to them? Joe's alive at that point. He is just visiting the afterlife. So why is he treated like a dead soul after he gives 22 her earth pass? And for that matter, why wasn't the earth pass dissolved when Joe entered a body? It makes no sense as a story, just none. I'd also like to talk about the cat whose soul clearly went to the great beyond without a fight. When I complained about that last time, a lot of people commented to say that the cat was able to re-inhabit his body because cats have nine lives. I don't know why that concept soared right over my head, but the movie did a terrible job at explaining that if the nine live angle is what they wanted to exploit. However, if cats having nine lives is the reason that the cat came back to life, then how, I ask, was Joe able to take the cat's body at all? Shouldn't there have been eight other cat souls in there trying to kick Joe's soul out of there the entire time? Did only one cat soul go to the great beyond and the other eight just hover around waiting for Joe to leave? I mean, what? How does this work? I mean, if a cat is not happy with you, they will rip you to shreds. And I imagine that Joe's soul would not have taken over the cat's body peacefully if eight other souls were lodged in there with him. They would have eaten him alive. The only other explanation for the cat returning to its body is that the great beyond isn't a permanent thing. But that seems to counter everything else that the movie implies, so I just can't stand these giant gaping plot holes that the movie refuses to address. And that's not even talking about the unanswered questions from the movie. Like, what does Joe do when he gets his life back? Who does 22 become? Why does the movie bring up someone named Lisa if there was going to be no payoff for that? And what sparked 22 in the first place? Sometimes it's okay not to get an answer because discussing the issue is more fulfilling than being handed the answer. But Soul pretty much runs into the climax and then stops short. And all of these loose ends make Soul feel like a bad indie movie that would have gotten mixed reviews for all of the confusing rules and crazy story arcs if not for the fact that it was released by Disney Pixar. But as some have said in the comments before, it would have been a wiser move for Pixar, you know, this 
big movie studio company who's known around the world for making movies for children, if they had just released Soul under a different banner name since it's such a more mature movie. And this is not me saying that, well, because it's animated, it's a children's movie, because obviously that's not true. However, brand names lead us to have certain expectations in the market, and 20 out of 24 Pixar movies have been these lighthearted, fun films that end on a happily ever after note, even if they do have a serious moment or two in there. So I am going to kind of grind my feet in and reaffirm that Soul does not fit into the Pixar mold very well. The problem is, once you're a giant brand, people really depend on what you're going to produce to be family friendly or not. So if I had just seen the Pixar name and thought, hey, they released a new movie, let me take my four-year-old Archer in to see it, I would not have been happy with how adult the subject matter is in that movie. So if the people at Pixar really have to make a movie that is not a children's movie, fine, but don't call it a Pixar movie. Call it Pixar Noir or something else that would give the audience a heads up that, hey, you might want to pay more attention to what this is actually about. Truly, I see Disney Pixar Soul and to me it feels on the same level as Studio Ghibli releasing Grave of the Fireflies next to My Neighbor Totoro, which if nobody knows, they were shown back to back in theaters and Totoro is like the happiest little fun fanciful movie, whereas Grave of Fireflies has children dying. Like they seriously played those back to back in theaters when they are not the same kind of intended audience. But for some reason, critics like to go, oh, Pixar made us cry. Let's throw all the accolades at them. Don't get me wrong. I love Pixar. They have done some fantastic movies and different scenes, but Soul was not something that clicked with me. It was too dark, too mature. There was really nothing in it that made this a children's movie. And so I don't think it deserves to have the Pixar logo above the title. But that's just my opinion, feel free to leave me yours below. I might be overthinking it, but that's literally my job. Well, family members, we're almost done, but I want to invite you to hang out with me in some other places. I'm on Twitter and Instagram as my own personal self, and I have a Facebook page too, but I mostly just post photos over there. And sometimes people say, hey, McGann, I want to mail you something. How do I do that? Easy. Just click the About tab on my channel page, and my most current P.O. Box info will be right there. I also run another channel, The Family. It's really a hodgepodge channel where we might post anything. Oh yeah, and I also sell shirts and stickers and stuff with the family and the fangirl logos. If that is your cup of tea, I have a link in every description of every video. Finally, if you want to help out the fangirl channel and make sure I'm putting out video essays for years to come, the best way you can help is by subscribing and watching more of my videos, whether they're new, old, whatever. Maybe even share one or two on social media, help spread the word. People who watch to the end of videos like you helps to tell the site, hey, this is a good video. We should recommend it to other people. So if you made it this far, leave me a comment of something like, hey, I made it to the end. Love ya. See you next time, family members. Bye.